Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Let's Talk Events podcast. I'm Morgan, your host and owner of Let of Let's Talk Events. And today I have a very special guest on the podcast, and it's my sister-in-law, Carly, but really I should say sister because she's known me <laughs> for literally my whole life. Uh, I, I think since I was three, right? Yep. Three years yep. old. You were three when I met you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my whole life, really. Um, And she's also done a lot of things for me that a sister would do. So she's always been there for me and I love her so much. So I'm so grateful she's here. Welcome, Carly. Thank you uh, very much. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you for being here. And I just want to mention really quick that your wedding, yours and my brother's wedding, Jason, uh, Jace mm-hmm. is what I call him, uh, your wedding was basically my first wedding that I remember, and it was a huge event in my <laughs> life, and, and it sparked my love for weddings. So not only that, but... Um, It was so fun. It was my favorite. So, um, anyway, so, but let's see, you guys have been married for 21 years now, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So long time, long time. Uh, but anyway, so, um, that is not why you're here today. Um, we'll probably have you on another podcast, hopefully with Jace. That would be a blast to talk about your wedding and why i'm obsessed with it but um (laughs) (laughs) talking about marriage specifically the reason why i have you on the podcast today is she's a fantastic person carly is but she's also a counselor and has been a counselor for many many years and premarital counseling and marriage counseling is a big deal and i feel like it's a topic that's not talked about enough and specifically mental health too and so because she's an amazing counselor and actually owns her own business and all of that good stuff I wanted to have her on and talk a little bit about all of that fun things that have to do with relationships and marriage and everything so I will let you explain Carly everything that you've done to get to this point and where you're at and why you're interested in counseling if you want to kind of explain all that Sure. So um, I actually began counseling through DHS when I was 20-ish. So that was like my first like lesson on parenting and learning how families work. Um, and that was obviously very difficult because you're taking care of little kids and, and watching how they have to move around and stuff. Um, but it kind of sparked me to realize that I wasn't able to do the amount of interaction with the parents or the families like I wanted to, because I was more the one that, that you know, did the visits and things like that. And so that's why I started in um, master's program for mental health counseling. Um, and I completed that in 2012 and was licensed as a licensed professional counselor. Um, with that degree, you can do individual, family, couples, um, all sorts of different um, dynamics of counseling. So I really like the diversity that way. Um, and then I started my own practice in 2017, 2017 um, Amity Counseling. 
And uh, when I started that, I worked mostly with individuals. Um, and again, it was kind of that dynamic where it's not, it's helpful that the individual is getting the care that they need, but the family or the, the couple also needs to be there to work through some of those things that we don't realize. So adding couples was kind of a helpful start. Um, and now um, I've opened up my uh, practice as an LLC and I have some employees that I work with and that's been a big challenge because <laughs> it's so hard to do but at the same time I still get to do my counseling side so the business is there but I get to still be involved with couples and um, and families and and individuals as well uh, the good part about um, kind of the experience is that it's a wide variety of couples. So I get to see couples at the beginning of the relationship. I get to see them in the middle. Uh, I've definitely helped clients um, work through amicable, um, and whatever that word is, divorces. Um, so it's been all over the board, which I think is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, I've also been uh, certified as a national uh, certified counselor through the NCC. Um, which just means that I have a national certification. I can only practice in Oklahoma though. So that's kind of just the, the fun rules of that. Um, and then uh, I have a few trainings that I really love that I work with for sure. Um, EMDR, which is um, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which is basically learning how to challenge our brain's thoughts from one side of our brain to the other, the, the creative to the logical or the emotional to the logical. Um, and then I work with Gottman. I'm trained in Got Gottman's method, um, which is actually a specific relationship program that he uses. He's been therapist for, they always said 40 plus, and now it's been 10 years since I hold that. So I guess I'll say 50 plus. <laughs> so he's been around for a long time and he's, he's, he's incredible. He's come up with this great method on how to work with couples, which I really suggest to a lot of people. So um, I think that's all the main, main ones off the top of my head. Basically, you just, you counsel so many different couples and kids and individuals, and you've been doing this for years. So let's see. Well, yeah, I, I actually worked with you way back when, before I was even married, <laughs> when you were getting your uh, hours um, and, and let's see, 2012 was when we got married. So that's been 11 years now that you've been really practicing. And now you have your own business, which is a whole nother challenge in and of itself. So it's been a long time that you've been in this world. So probably <laughs> seen a lot, <laughs> a lot of different things. Definitely. So I should have said earlier, her specific credentials that she just explained are so it's Carly Perry, MS, NCC, LPC. Um, and the LPC is the licensed professional counseling part that you were just talking about. Um, so, yeah, so you, you're just awesome. And I think also because you're so good at what you do, you often, you know, give really good advice to the, the rest of our family on anything happening in our worlds, whether it's you know, just individual stuff that we're dealing with or whatever, you're, you're awesome at giving advice too. So that's why I have you here. Cause I think, um, recently I learned about, well, I didn't recently, but, um, premarital counseling is, I think something that not many people think about doing. 
um, usually it's a pretty religious thing, I would say. Like some religions like require it to be done. Um, I know the Catholic Church does for sure, but um, I don't think all religions do, but they do some sort of like interviewing and are you really ready type of thing. But uh, I think it would be really cool to, you know, spread a little bit of awareness and maybe have this be a little bit more of a thing that people do because oftentimes we're not always talking about all of the issues that are going to come up or all of the topics that are going to come up during marriage that we should be before we get married. So um, I saw a statistic that said, 90% of couples spend more money and time investing in their wedding day than investing and preparing for their marriage. Do you think this is true? A hundred percent. Yeah, we are. uh, Throughout life, we're not taught to focus on what marriage would look like. We're taught to explain how our wedding is going to be. You know, what are you looking for? Are you going to be a princess? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Right. And so we're not, we're not, taught at all I would say for the most part what we need to know as a couple um, and sometimes we're talk- taught about the couple's things a little bit with individuality right like so oh you got to have your finance together well then you're like oh so as a couple we should probably have our finances together right but it's not really based on how are you going to do in your relationship so yeah definitely there is not uh, money or maybe even not value right now in you know, the premarital side or learning about marriage. And it's, yeah. it's definitely sad for sure. <laughs> yeah. And not to say that, you know, a wedding is a good thing and a beautiful thing. And it's definitely something that should be celebrated when two people are choosing each other. But are we thinking more about the day or the marriage itself? Right. And going forward. Right. Um. What what a what are your like overall thoughts on marriage? I know that's a big big question to <laughs> ask, <laughs> but uh, I think also can you explain how you feel about cohabitating um, in a relationship that's obviously not going to get married, just cohabitating as itself, right? So there's a lot of statistics out there regarding marriage and cohabitating for sure. Um, the main one that is most widely discussed is that uh, a marriage brings more satisfaction to a relationship than cohabitating does. Um, It's a, I wouldn't say it's a huge difference, but it's there, right? So there is this concept that a marriage does create more commitment um, to a relationship. Um, The other piece I think is that marriage um, is kind of a societal norm too. So when we follow that, we feel more uh, accepted in our experiences. Um, and the last piece is I, I do think because we learn to be excited about our wedding, that's a fun experience to have. And so when people um, cohabitate, usually they don't get that experience. So they do it in different ways anyway. Um, commitment ceremonies or, you know, they take a, a anniversary trip that, you know, signifies it. So they're still doing those little nuances. Um just without the the major marriage piece, which I would miss. Like I totally, you know, love and remember my wedding day as a, with very fond memories. So yeah, I'd be like, oh yeah, it's great, but I missed out on a piece of something. So for me, you know, the marriage part is I think a little more valuable in that aspect. But many couples remain in um, 
cohabitating relationships for years and and have great relationships too so it's not like a hit or miss (laughs) yeah yeah no I think obviously I'm very let's get married let's do this thing (laughs) kind of a, a a person and I always have been but I do think I'm sure you can be happy in a in a cohabiting relationship I think many people are and they they do stay happy but I think uh, that's interesting to know that there's a bigger satisfaction with couples mm-hmm. that are married. Um, I also think that showing that commitment in front of a bunch of people that you love, even if it's not a bunch of people, even if it's one person or two people, showing that promise of commitment is a big deal for your relationship too. Yeah, Probably. definitely. And yeah. I think a lot of people end up doing it um, and like I said, in other ways, so they're still showing, you know, their connection and, and to people, it's just not specifically to get the marriage license, which the marriage license is important too, in some aspects, because that's how our society dictates certain, um, criteria for people, right? So in a, in a non, um, married relationship, it's difficult for the, the spouse or the other to go to like the hospital um, they don't have as many rights in that kind of aspect. So the marriage actually provides extra rights. Um, we're challenging that a little bit, I think, more. Um, but it's still a pretty distinct feature that there has to be some sort of documentation anyway for the legal aspects. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. I didn't even think about that. You are provided additional rights if you're actually married in the... Mm-hmm. In, in the what am I looking, what's the word I'm looking for? And it's uh, seen by the law, by the state that, yes. you know, it's it's bigger than just being together. It's a little bit of that too, which I guess some people might say is not a good thing, I guess, when <laughs> finances come up, um, depending on what the situation is. But with those kind of things, it's it's good to have a partner that can kind of make those decisions if need be, like for medical and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yep, definitely. Uh, so um, I feel like a lot of time with counseling, at least I did, uh, is that people feel like there has to be a problem before they go and see a counselor. You don't just go see a counselor um, just because you maybe have some things that maybe you want to be preventative about and be doing preventative counseling. So what do you what do you think are the benefits of preventative counseling there's definitely a lot of things that as couples we don't think about even couples that aren't necessarily going to get married right there's still this connection uh, or disconnect from um the ways that there are things that kind of progress through our marriages right so the preventative piece gives a better picture of like challenges that could be faced um, and that's with any sort of experience, right? I'm going to know more, learn more. Um, but the other piece is with um, the preventative, specifically for marriage counseling, uh, premarital counseling. The idea is that we're doing like tools that help the couple see the different um, ways they interact, the different ways they feel loved. Um, there's even like, you know, budget planning so that they can see what their money will look like um for them together um and you know even some may say i don't want to be together with our money and so that comes up 
because it's not something that's thought of beforehand. Um, so there's definitely all those little nuances that we just haven't learned to discuss, or we discuss in a very like umbrella type experience. We don't get down to the nitty gritty. So they're like, yeah, finance, we're going to share account. Okay, well, there's way more to that. And there's way more depth to what that looks like budgeting, understanding who's paying for what, understanding who's working and who's not, right? So there's all these other experiences surrounding that that just don't get kind of discussed. So the preventative helps with those and then it eliminates some of the struggles that they may face later. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, some of those decisions change as you, you know, go through your marriage. You know, obviously things have changed in in my marriage with like you said, jobs and different things and who's taking care of this. And so you kind of have to be willing to be flexible too. And what do all of those situations look like as we move forward type of thing? So, And the, the interesting part about that is that once you have the tool on how to do it, the next time you need to change it, you just go back to that tool. So it's not as difficult as like, oh, now we have to explore a whole new way to figure it out. No, we used a tool that helped us decide what we were doing. So now we just go back to that tool and reassess. So it makes it a lot uh I guess I'd say simpler. There's still going to be ups and downs, but it makes it simpler on those big things for sure. Yeah. I like that. Um, do you feel, again, this is kind of a broad question, but do you feel like most people could benefit from counseling? No matter what type of counseling it is, do you feel like most people need a little bit of counseling, a little bit of help? Yes, not because I'm a counselor, though, because I see how difficult life is and I see how some people come in with one thing and then we learn so much more that they're experiencing that we didn't discuss or talk about um, until later. And I was like, oh, that was really affecting you. Um, we all struggle with something, right? Life is not easy. We have ups and downs. So it's more about having a safe place to go and, and talk some of those things out. So if you have a safe place that's with a friend or a family member, that's great because you have something to kind of lean on. The more difficult piece of that is that they are, um, they have an interest in it, right? So they're a little more biased, right? Whereas a counselor is going to be like, I don't care what you do. I want you to do what's best for you, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm here to help you do what you need to do, whether it's a couple coming in and needing to decide about a marriage when they're having troubles with the in-laws or whatever, right? Those are still things that people don't think, oh, I can go and talk about that in a, in a non-biased area and come up with what I want to do as a couple rather than what everybody else wants. So yeah, definitely in, in, in any realm, I think people just don't realize what it kind of entails. So that's yeah. why we, we kind of stay away from counseling, I think. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, like I mentioned earlier, feel like there has to be a big problem or a big issue well, before they feel like it's justified enough to go and seek out professional help. But really, maybe it would be better if we did a little bit more of pre, pre-prep, yes. you know, and pre-talk about whatever issue it yeah. is and then maybe look at help that way when you're in that stage, right. not when it's really, really rough. And when um, it's really, really rough, it's almost like it's too late. I mean, we can still help you work through it, and, and but it's going to be more difficult. A lot of uh, relationships don't last at that point um, because they've gotten too far into the hole of this isn't working. So it's like, oh, now I got to like pull you all the way back out. 
rather than, okay, we're giving you a little advice along the way. Yeah. So, yeah. And there's obviously emotions and life is still happening. And lots of times people have, you know, kids as well that they're concerned about at that point. So there's a million more factors piling on to make it that much more difficult. So definitely worth it to do preventative or at least find those tools like you said so you know what to do when those topics come up or those hard times come up okay i found another little article piece i want to ask you about so this is a quote from the article it says a classic 2003 study in the journal family relations found that couples who had completed some form of premarital counseling had a 30% increase in marital satisfaction compared with those who hadn't undergone sex counseling. And now 2003 was quite a long time ago now, (laughs) but do you still, you think this percentage is still accurate? Do you think that's still true? I think I saw recently it's 38%. So it's pretty consistent with the same amount. Um, and I think a lot of that is that they have more ability to, to kind of navigate the things that go on. So yeah, it definitely makes it like easier to be like, oh yeah, we already, we already kind of know how to adjust to that. And they're forcing you to not forcing, but bringing up those topics that maybe you probably wouldn't bring up on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so what are your thoughts on the prepare um premarital assessment tool i know that's one tool that some counselors use um and do you think this is still a really good tool to use for for pre-marriage counseling so i actually it's kind of funny when i was doing my um, graduate program i did a whole um presentation on a premarital workshop um and my premarital workshop was based on the prepare plan um i didn't I didn't incorporate all the tools, obviously, but there was there was a lot that I put into it. And the assessment, I think, is the, one of the most major pieces of a couple learning about themselves and how they work. Um, and and I looked it up recently because I haven't really thought about that since uh, probably since I graduated because I I got into Gottman theory. But um, I looked it up and I was like, oh wow, this tool is it's very similar to Gottman. It's kind of the same kind of structure and stuff, um, and the questions were similar. So I was like, oh, this is a very yeah easy tool to, for people to do. Um, I think that they can do it for free online, which would be awesome for people just to see, like, you don't have to come in and see anybody, but look and see what your um, experience is. So I think they can. I'm not 100% sure. But if they can't, there are other ones that are similar. They're not the diagnostic tool specifically, but they're, they have the ability to kind of go through those questions still. Um, and the questions are so valuable because they're, again, things that we just don't think about, things that we're not um, understanding that we do as an individual in a relationship. So, yeah, it's definitely, definitely valuable. Any assessment tool that somebody can take before they're married would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The compatibility that it can show for you and your partner. Mm-hmm. I was just going to ask if it was available online for people to do if they wanted to do that instead of going in um to see a mm-hmm. counselor um but if they were going to go in and see a counselor and they were to use the prepare method is it just a questionnaire type thing that they'll ask and then they'll assess you based on that or how does that work usually 
So with the, the prepare, I'm assuming it's the same, but when you go in and log in, then you both take the questionnaire as a couple or as an individual about your scenario. And then when, when they're both done, you the counselor gets to like pull it up and see how the rating is between the two of you. That's how Gottman also works. So I assume they're, they're pretty similar that way. Um, so the, the counselor then sees the picture and then can go through the tools of what um, is missing in specific relationships. Um, so I'll give you a, a quick uh, couple I, um, scenarios in Gottman. There's a, a client satisfaction rating, um, or not, couple satisfaction rating. How satisfied are you in your relationship? And it gives like a number, a percentage. It shows if it's green or red, if they're more satisfied or less satisfied, all those kind of things. So we can go over like, overall, you guys are great satisfaction wise, but there's these little things we want to work through or your whole satisfaction level is struggling. So how do we, you know, bolster that back up? Okay. Yeah. And I was just going to ask you about the Gottman and how that compares to the prepare, but it's mm -hmm. similar, very similar. Okay. Yeah. Gottman does have more tools surrounding uh, communication, uh, uh, intimacy, um, the the four horsemen, which in his theory are the four ways that relationships uh, can falter. So it's, what are the four horsemen? Um, defensiveness. Um, what is it called when somebody, uh, stonewalling. Defensiveness, stonewalling, um, criticism, and contempt. So if a relationship is facing any of those challenges, I would say most relationships struggle with defensiveness and um, stonewalling the most. Um, but when you get into the like contempt and criticism, the relationships have less likelihood of um, working out. So if we can find those, if there's struggles with those in the, in the beginning, we can help, you know, kind of challenge those throughout their marriage. So. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah, that's cool. I feel like so much of this can be so helpful for even people who are married <laughs> and knowing these yes, things yes. and being better about recognizing those those things that come up in your marriage or recognizing things that you're saying or you're doing and, and you know, figuring out that out together. Uh, let's see. So if there are couples wanting to get married... What are some topics that you would recommend you definitely need to talk about prior to marriage? I know a lot of people say finances, obviously, yes. but what are some other topics? So the number one reasons for diver divorce are finances, sex, and of course I was going to forget the third one, but um, there, there's another one. And those kind of um, are necessary tools, but I feel like it boils down to how we communicate. And everybody learns their communication style from a young age, right? So we all communicate differently. We have little nuances in how we communicate. And so it would be awesome to get couples in that are, you know, before they get married to say like, these are your styles and this is how you're communicating. Um, and here's some tools on how we can do it differently. Um, Gottman uses uh, uh, the active listening um, form and then uh, I feel statements, which people know I feel statements, but they don't know them correctly so i feel statements are i feel about what i need um and they're very solution focused which allow people to say you know i'm missing this in the relationship and i i need this in the relationship and we don't learn to do that we learn to like 
argue about it or fight about it or try to be, you know, more defensive about it to get what we need when in reality, if I said, hey, Morgan, I need, um, or I feel sad when I don't get to see you, I need to uh, come and see you every three months. It's not like you're going to be like, no, Carly, you're not going to be able to do that. You're going to be like, oh, let, how do we work that out? Right. So it's yeah. just a more uh, easy dynamic to say, um, you know, we can work through our issues without struggling so much and if you could learn i mean if we could learn that when we're younger that'd be great but if we could learn that before we end up making a life with another person so much better so i work with that with clients both premarital clients and married married clients that's like a tool i give them i probably give it to individual clients too <laughs> yeah i feel i i feel uh, there no just kidding <laughs> there, it is. <laughs> there it is um yeah i feel like even just in regular relationships, not even couple relationships. I think that's probably a very useful tool to use. And I mean, I was just thinking about kids too and how they struggle mm -hmm. with that when they're in that like two, three, you know, that kind of starting to talk stage. That's mm -hmm. kind of where they struggle with saying what their needs are and how they're really feeling and why they're acting out, you know, and then it's funny to see that we struggle with that as we get older too and in relationships. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so let's see. Um, let's say one individual in the relationship or in the couple would like to do premarital counseling, but they're concerned about bringing it up to their partner. What do you think is the best way to approach this? So I, of course, always think communication is best. Um, my my advice would be something like, you know, I'd really like to um, attend some some counseling sessions with you to learn how I talk to you, to learn how um, I can explore our relationship better. And so if we're making it about, you know, kind of them getting the help, of course, when they come in, they're both going to get the help. Um, but that kind of opens it up for, you know, I want to learn more about you rather than we have problems that I need you to come in and work those out with me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I also think even without, like if the other, the other, uh, party doesn't want to come, you know, the individual can still come and what they gain is still important into the, the marriage because they're changing their dynamic and their tactics. And when you change people around you usually change. So there's, so there's some, mm -hmm. some truth in it wouldn't matter if it's both of them or not. Um, obviously it'd be better to have both of them there, but that communication just, and, and feeling like, you know, I'm sorry if this offends you, but I just want to, you know, I want to feel more connected. And to do that, I, I think having somebody listen to our story can be helpful. So, yeah, I think I heard a counselor, too. I forgot to ask you earlier, say that um, they really like counseling pre premarital clients because they usually have a little more hope. And they're a little more willing to talk about these things versus married couples. Do you think you, you see the same thing? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. They're, they'd be more open. Those in their first uh, couple, maybe a year, maybe a year or two in, in their relationship, that marriage will be the same because it's kind of that dynamic of shifting everything and trying to figure it out. So they're usually more like, we're here. We want more, more help. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a struggle when the, the client or the count, the couple has lived together or been together for so long 
because they're so ingrained in their behaviors, right? We talk about cycles and cyclic behavior. So it's going to be more difficult for them compared to somebody that's newer in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's fun to see that excitement of we're going to get married. So, yeah. It's definitely like, oh, they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's still some excitement and some happiness in the marriage. Not to, not to say that it can't be that way even after being married for a year or so but yeah definitely like you said once they're ingrained in those things and sometimes their behaviors it can be really difficult you can I'm sure turn it around but it, it will be difficult uh let's see um oh man so much to ask you um <laughs> what what are some healthy relationship traits that you've witnessed you know, in your own life, in your marriage, um, in couples that you've counseled, what are some really healthy things that you've noticed? Um, again, communication, obviously that's my, that's my go-to for, for pretty much most relationship, uh, advice. Um, the more we can talk about things, the better we're going to make things work out and talking in healthy discussions, obviously not in, um, cycles or, um, we call it stonewalling where you get stuck at the same topic over and over. Excuse me. So I think that's definitely the, the one I do agree with, um, Gottman when he says at least like 30 minutes a day of interaction with your spouse, um, where your partner can allow that, um, kind of excitement with each other to stay, um, exciting. Right. So we have, um, enjoyments that we do. So, um, I always say, suggest taking social media out of it, having just time for you two, whether it's going on a walk, talking, um, going on a drive. I know a lot of people here like to go on drives. Um, it's kind of a silly thing to me, but I, it, I guess it could be fun, right? <laughs> but that go, go and do something together where you're spending time and you're interacting. So it's not, um, you're not disengaged. Obviously, watching a movie together is great and fun. Um, and, and I don't want you to stop the other behaviors, but those, those 30 minutes of just like engaging and connecting, um, Gottman uses a card. He used to have like card decks, like a, a deck of cards actually. And there were all these different ones. Um, now he's put them on an app and they're still, they're like organized in decks. Um, but they're different topics of, or yeah, different topics of how you can communicate. So there's like open-ended questions, love maps, um, there's even an intimacy one. It's like salsa one. It's also mild and hot and stuff like that or whatever. So there's mm -hmm. all these different ways to have meaningful conversations in times where we forget how to, you know, oh, well, I know everything about them, right? Well, you do, or you know everything about them in the past. So let's let's see what's fun and new. So those would be like things to to stay connected. Obviously, intimacy is a huge piece of relationships. Um, so staying connected, whether it's um, you know, physical affection, um, or other ways that people can maintain that in intimacy. That's also a huge, uh, piece in the relationship for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've sent me those before to just look at, cause it's kind mm -hmm. of, it can be kind of a game too. I mean, if yes. you and your, if you and your partner like games, I know we do. So we, we yeah. like having things that we can bring up little topics that usually spark really good conversation, you know, and, um, it's good. I think anybody should try it. I mean, why not if you're in a relationship or even on a long drive or whatever, bringing up the drive again. 
I agree. I like long drives. I think it's <laughs> I think it's good relationship building. I think it's definitely forces you to talk to the person. So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess we didn't kind of break down um some of those items that you would want to bring up too. We we did talk about, you know, obviously finances, communication style, um, love languages is probably another big one that's maybe mm-hmm. helpful um kids whether you want kids or what that looks like um if you do want kids and how many i know that's a big discussion too um there's so much that you probably should be talking about um religion uh religious views and obviously that can change too all of these things can change but you know those are all big topics that you probably should be talking about um family you mentioned it earlier um how you're going to keep up relationships with each of your own families or boundaries or whatever that looks like too I'm sure that's probably another big topic you hear a lot about is dealing with other family members and opinions and (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) definitely yes Uh, so do you feel like there's a certain amount of time that couples should at least know each other before they get married? So it's it's kind of funny because I read that um, idea, uh, I can't remember when, a long, long time ago about knowing for a year, right? Every season um, because people uh, change throughout each season of the year right so like for me i hate the cold so i'm probably a little more ornery in the winter (laughs) so if jason didn't know me through the winter then he'd be like oh great here we go right so i I think it's more the the idea of like over a year you get to know all the nuances of somebody's um, behaviors right so the longer that you know somebody um can probably be beneficial but i i'm and i'm not sure 100 percent. but i bet there's a timeline where it's like oh about this time is um the best um time to look at maybe like what the next step is and i would think that would be important because it's more of a discussion again right so if we're dating for let's say two years and then it's like oh what's next we're having a discussion about what that could be whether it's marriage or, or something else, rather than just we just keep kind of going and going and going and never kind of coming up with something. And I think that's probably, too, why I always thought a year worked, because it's like, okay, you don't have to get married in a year. You don't have to, but at least you can say, oh, we've known each other for a year. Let's talk about what the next step might be. Oh, we're going to date for another year. Great. Let's plan something for the future, right? But it, mm-hmm. it just kind of opens up that dialogue again. I, I am, when we're kind of discussing what we're going to talk about I mentioned a story that I remember you saying I don't think she'll care my sister Lindsay when she uh was getting married and they had kind of met and decided to get married pretty quickly and um I remember you telling her well as long as you know each other for a year you gotta at least know each other for a year then you're good (laughs) you know and I remember that when I was um thinking about what I was going to talk with you about and I thought I wonder if Carly still thinks that's true but obviously you do and I think obviously the longer you know each other the more you're going to know about one another hopefully Uh you know as long as you're communicating and actually in a uh, you know trying to get to know each other better I guess 
themselves. The only thing about that is I would say don't get stuck in stagnation because that's what kind of happens in some relationships, right? So we've been dating for a year, so why don't we just keep dating for a year? And then we just keep dating for a year, right? And then somebody at some point starts to feel like, well, wait a second, are we going to get married? Or, you know, is this just going to be what we're going to be? Like, and it could be fine either way, but that discussion definitely needs to happen. Yeah. I was thinking about another thing that I want to talk with you about because um, growing up where we both grew up, you know, you didn't live together. That wasn't really what you did. And I feel like now or probably back then too, but now it's way more common to live together beforehand, um, you know, be intimate with each other, have sex, all of that stuff prior. And a lot of people I feel, uh, Feel like that's a very important aspect is to do all of the those things prior and obviously talking about it is a good thing too but you know do you think that that kind of solidifies to the relationship to be a little bit stronger going into the marriage if they've experienced those things beforehand i think it's kind of a mixed bag um, most of the research shows that people use cohabitating as a way to create a better marriage or they feel like it did create a better marriage right so that's the that's the idea um but there are people that end up in oh what are they i don't know what they call it but like multiple relationships because they go in thinking this is going to be it and so they put their kind of wholeheartedness into it but then they're um challenged in that by the other person and then they have to you know readapt and do it again and do it again and so for some people it's definitely can be detrimental when they're um not i guess i would think about like if we have our own struggles right sometimes we bring those to the table and then if we don't have that ability to stay where we fit or where we feel we're going to continue down that negative cycle um but overall they do say that most people will say that it was a step to have a better marriage or after they've you know, been married, say that it was, that it helped their marriage because they did that. I, I, I kind of remember, you know, like, oh, everybody talks about that first year that you, you live together after you get married. Right. And how you're adjusting to all the newness. So yeah, if you think about you've already done that and then you get married, that it doesn't feel like it's so traumatic, right? We got married and now I have to learn all this new stuff compared to like being able to like adapt to that through like over time. Yeah. And not to say that you couldn't get into a marriage without doing those things, because I also feel like there's that commitment aspect that a marriage brings and it kind of forces you to, whether you really like it or not, to be more intimate and and try a little bit harder, I feel at least. And then, you know, you're more willing to like work through those little things that you know oh they leave the toilet seat belt or whatever it's like maybe that would be you know something that annoyed you in a cohabitating relationship but as a marriage you're like that's just my you know person and who they are and I still love them anyway you know maybe type of look right yeah yeah that makes sense in the idea that people can be very um accommodating when we've already committed to something yeah um the, and the long-term effects of something, you know, little um, is fine as long as it doesn't build up over many things, right? But that happens whether you're cohabitating or married. It, it yes. would happen either way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I was looking for is you're a little bit more accommodating, like you said, and willing to work things out or look 
look over things that maybe aren't as big mm-hmm. of a deal, you know? Um, so another thing, excuse me, that I wanted to ask you is, do you think it's really important for the couples to meet each other's parents? Do you think that's a big deal? It's kind of funny that you mentioned that I actually have a, I have a client that just, this is her like first real relationship and she's, I think she just turned 20. She's 20 um, and she was so nervous about having him meet her mom um, because her mom's more critical and just more overbearing and things like that. And uh, so we, you know, we're kind of processing what it looks like to do that from her side, which I thought was kind of fun to be like, okay, how are we going to manage this? He's going to meet him at some point, right? Like you're right. So how do we, how do we do that in a healthy way? And it was uh, just so, what's the word? It just so fluid. Like it happened, just happened today. And I thought, oh, that's perfect because there wasn't the heaviness of let's sit down and have a conversation. And here he is off. Right. It was just like they walked in and she happened to be sitting there and they're like, oh, hi, like, nice to meet you. And then it was like, oh, we naturally went back to our our lives. So I think in some sense, the naturalness of it could be really helpful rather than, okay, we're going to go to the the down at all garden and we're going to eat and talk to each other's parents. Like that's more heavy. Right. So um, but again, it depends on people's relationships with their parents too. So, and, and when you met, right. So Jason and I met so young that we met each other's families and it wasn't like, oh, we're going to get married, you know, soon it was, oh, we're just kids hanging out. So I think that also makes it different for people. So it was, but, but it I was, think it's important. Yeah. It Go was ahead. that natural thing that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah, it wasn't like, we're going to get married. This is a serious relationship. It was, we're just hanging out. We're friends, you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you think it's good to travel together as well? Do you think that maybe brings up new things? Prior? Prior yes. marriage? Yes, definitely. Um, I think it's funny to think about the little behaviors that people do in different areas of life, right? And so, again, it's kind of that thought of like, the more that you know, the more that you are going to be able to understand and adapt if this relationship is going to work for you, right? So if we're going on a long ride and, you know, they're sitting over there sleeping the whole time and you have to drive and you're like, this isn't going to work. Now it's something you can talk about and see if you can challenge it. And then you learn like those little things of like, how do we challenge these behaviors that maybe we don't know how to deal with and can they be adjusted? Yeah. I'm sure Spencer would say, you know, he was glad he traveled with me prior because I'm a huge germaphobe and I'm very weird when we're traveling. So <laughs> I'm I'm one of those people that I don't take my shoes off in hotels and, you know, it takes some getting used to for people. So just those little things that come up, you know, <laughs> definitely yep. all of the experiences are good for sure. And let's see. Um. Uh, so you mentioned the Gottman app prior. Are there any other ways or games or anything kind of along that line that people can do at home, that couples can do at home that kind of spark those conversations? Um, you know, they're all over the internet has those, you know, questions. Three, six questions you should ask the person that you want to marry or whatever. So Gottman's cards are just similar to that idea. Um, so I think those can be fun. But I also just think the idea of like coming up with your own type of um, 
your own your own type of enjoyment how that looks with interacting with each other and getting to know each other um there's games out there i don't know if i've ever seen any that people are like oh i love this game um but i'm trying to think i feel like i had a client that told me one i don't know but there so i think there's stuff to look for but at the same time i don't think it's necessarily like finding a specific game to use i think it's more the overall way that you guys interact right and if people do love games yeah search for games that you're going to enjoy together but for people that don't me telling you to try this game is not going to be enjoyable for them right and i have people that love the app got my app they do it all the time even now even if they've been you know together for a long time after um and then i have people that don't even look at it because it's just not enticing to them and there's no wrong or right answer it's finding what works for you guys as a couple for sure yeah. I do recommend books, um, just in general, uh, finding ways that you can kind of read something or an article that kind of gives you advice on to um, kind of the, the generics of what what kind of is helpful in relationships. The Five Love Languages is a good one for that. Um, it's just a really short book, but it gives the idea of how we share love with one another. Um, and you can find your own language and then you can, you know, get your significant others. And then you can kind of find the ways that you can do those um, techniques back and forth. You know, so like if it's acts of service, you do the dishes for them or whatever. So, and there's actually an app called Love Nudge. I think I didn't put that in the list, but um, that you both take the test and so you can see each other's results. And then you can kind of give um ideas of what you want to do for them or whatever so there's different definitely different ways um but again it's just mostly like how do you connect with your spouse um and and even you know if i say somebody reading something it doesn't matter if it's one or both like i said the the idea is that somebody's gaining more knowledge about something then they can share it with their significant other or they can use it for themselves and just adapt to things they want different yeah no, and I think they give a list of books to you in there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few different ones. I was going to mention that you did give me a list that I will post in the podcast episode so that if people want to purchase those books or read those books, they can, that you um, recommend. But yeah, I think, let me see, let me pull up your list here. Um, yes, the Gottman resources you have and love languages the five love languages books um let's see our peaceful family is that a book as well did i write that was that on the list one of the lists uh-huh uh -huh. so some of them are more um i knew that a few of them were on there um there's like the i don't know which one you're looking at but there's like the first year of marriage which is a good document of like how um you can resolve conflicts and what you're what you're kind of going through that first year um that's a really good one um things i wish i would known before i got married um it kind of allows you to see like times when people don't go to premarital counseling and don't have that knowledge of like oh this could be helpful um this book like reminds them like oh you you maybe didn't know it then but you can still figure it out later right it's not you're not like too bad you lost that or whatever um yeah. the questions for couples that's pretty the same as kind of the Gottman questions um I think that the saving your marriage before it starts is more um knowledge based about the concept of um 
what we think marriage is and what it really is, I guess. Like how we perceive marriage to be and then what it really is. That one would be great, obviously, before if somebody could sit and say, you know, oh, I had all these thoughts about what marriage would look like. And this book is helping me see that they don't necessarily match up. It's going to look very different when we're married than we think, which I think is 100% true. You know, we have this image of what marriage is going to look like. And so, yeah, it's it's great we've gone through all the, you know, excitement and then it's, oh, wait. Yeah. So being able to have that excitement for the wedding and then have that excitement for the marriage, like that wedding day would even feel more special if then things after that were like very exciting as well. So yeah, I think yeah. it would add to that for sure. Yeah. I love that. And I'm, I'll make sure to share all of your recommendations that you sent over to me. Um, I think they're awesome. And I think um, I was just going to mention off of your comment you just made too. A lot of times we base what we think marriage is off of the relationships that we've seen. And I think that's a, you know, a, a hard thing to do because your relationship is not going to be like anybody else's relationship. So, you know, whether you're basing it off of your parents' relationship or a sibling's relationship or a friend's relationship, it's hard. I feel like it's hard to see that and hard to do that because you're do two different people. You're going to be a different relationship. Yeah. The important part of that is also noticing that when we when we do that, we get stuck in our own cycles of what we've learned. And so being able to notice those before we're married um, can be really like helpful into challenging when we're married, when those thoughts come up, right? So of course I'd be like, oh, my mom did that in her, you know, with my dad. And then later I'm like, oh wait, that wasn't, that wasn't good. We shouldn't have done that. Um, and so that concept is like, oh, now that I know that that looked that way, I'm going to, when it comes up, it's going to come up. Your, your, your mindset's going to be reminded of how your life was or what your parents were like. So then to say, oh, I don't want to do that. And now I know it because I've, you know, completed some sort of counseling or, you know, had some sort of, um, you know, training about learning to identify those uh, unique differences that relationships have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see. How long do you think is a good amount of time if people want to pursue premarital counseling? Do you think is a good enough time for them to actually continually go to the counselor before they've learned those tools? Usually I would say like three months is going to be like a, a powerful amount of time because you just see the counselor for, you know, once a week for three months and you get a lot of the tools and, and the ways to kind of engage in um, ways to challenge your thinking and stuff like that. The the only time I would say like you should come in sooner is if there's obviously struggles, whether it's financial, intimacy, family, or whatever. There, If there's struggles, we might come in earlier because then we can teach you the tools over a little bit longer period of time and make sure you're starting to use them prior to um, the marriage or the wedding, right? Um, because mm -hmm. it's going to make the wedding even better if we've adapted some of those experiences, especially with family, so that you can enjoy your day without um, being um, worried or upset about what's happening outside of the you know the couple I guess yeah and I was thinking too there's obviously a lot of stress around a wedding for multiple members of family you know including the couple especially them and I think even if you need to go see a counselor just to get through wedding planning um <laughs> 
<laughs> I kind of say that I hopefully help with that, but, um, you know, as someone to kind of be your advocate for what you want, but, um, it may be helpful, especially if you have family who might feel a little overbearing or maybe pushy and want certain things their way and you don't want that. And mm -hmm. it's probably good to go and see a counselor too, to try and figure out some tools to get through that and keep your marriage or keep your um, relationship with your partner still in a good place. <laughs> and probably, I mean, if, if a client was really struggling, maybe even just, you know, when they come in and there's family issues, I'd probably even say, who's a third party? And now I can say, who's your wedding planner? Because that person is going to be the one that pushes the boundaries with others so that the couple doesn't have to. And that's so much more powerful than thinking about, I have to go to my appointments and I have to sit by my mom and she's going to tell me all these things and then his dad's going to tell him all these things, right? So they get to have more of a uh, enjoyment in planning and allowing that like rest of the, the stressor to be put on someone else, which I don't know how you enjoy that, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, want all that stress. <laughs> well, I think it's nice being the third party because I have no relationship with mom. I don't know her very well or, you know, dad or whoever it is that's pushing those, you know, frustrations or you know, stress onto them. And so I can easily say, well, this is what I'm going to do to make sure that they get what they want, you know, and I'm their, their advocate for them. So, you know, it's, I, I guess it's a little easier, but it would definitely be harder if it was someone within the family or a sister pushing back on mom or, you know, something like that, that could make that really hard, I think. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Not to have somebody that is neutral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what you're saying. You're you're a neutral party, so when you can share like this isn't what we're gonna do, they don't really have anywhere to turn after that. <laughs> They're like, well, Morgan said, <laughs> yeah. But that's exactly what a counselor is too. That's exactly what you are. You're a neutral party. You have no affiliation with any of the family members or anybody else, and so it's much easier. Even the couple, really, and it's and it's easier to kind of be that neutral advice giver and and party party mm -hmm. to it um, uh let's see <clears throat> so if if a couple gets married and they do find out maybe that they have a really big differing opinion um and or a belief or something like that what obviously besides coming in for counseling what's what's your biggest advice i'm sure it's communication too but what what is your <laughs> biggest advice on like working through that i think it's interesting because those things are going to come up that's like generic right we're, we're not going to know everything we need to know even if we do counseling beforehand or even if you know things were great in the relationship there's going to be times where i'm going to say oh wait that's something different i don't know how to respond to that um, so most of the time I would say, um, probably that I would want them to do like a, a pro and con list, but when I do a pro and con list, I do it weighted. So for instance, if and this is a silly idea, but let's say that, uh, Jason wanted me to do the dishes or I, or I wanted Jason to do the dishes versus, um, you know, me doing them by myself and the stressor that it is for me. Obviously that's very minute, but it wouldn't matter, but overall, right. So I would say, um, you know, having that talk with Jason, um, 
on the is on the con list and it would be like a 10 like i don't want to have that conversation right but then thinking of me not being stressed about it is a pro and so that's like six on the pro list right Mm -hmm. so with the concept of having the discussion with jason or needing jason to do them i'm coming up with like numbers rather than just pros and cons because pros and cons are great but then what right oh the i don't know how that one feels so if we can make it um weighted so that would be like oh seven reduces my stress 10 i i don't want to have that conversation so i would say oh the pro would say just keep doing the dishes does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense that's an interesting way to think about it it's way different than just making a pros and cons list i feel mm-hmm. because it's kind of like we were talking about earlier about like you know me leaving my shoes on when we travel in the hotel room like is it is it really that big of a deal is it bothering spencer in any way no not really so it's not it's not weighted as much you know as like you were saying interesting i like that so with people that have yeah people that have like uh i'll give you a a really quick one of my clients so my client has um, a very struggled relationship with getting emotional needs met with her husband, right? So that's a big issue, right? But she she got she has her financial needs met, and so we did a pro and con about staying in the marriage or not. And the same idea was like, okay, the emotional needs. Well, the 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 you know, the con is that she doesn't feel loved, but the pro is is that she's still getting taken care of financially, you know. And so we go down that list, and then we just give them weight. And whatever one feels the the most weight for her becomes the answer. And so because she's financially stable, she felt that that was more important than the emotionally um, emotional needs she met. So she stays in the relationship. So I think that that's kind of a valuable thing to say, like, even in heavy things, like we can work through these numbers and say, oh, I see right now, this is what matters the most. And yeah, it may change. You redo your phone call list. So. Yeah. Well, and um, we're all not perfect. And and you have to know that going into a relationship. And if you have been in a relationship, you know that not everybody is perfect. And so there are going to be things that, you know, you're not going to find anyone on the planet that's going to be perfect for you. I don't think. But there are things right. that, like you said, we can work through. We can figure out. We can I'm I'm willing to not worry about all that stuff because the big stuff that matters to me is why we have a good relationship. So. Exactly. Okay. Let's see. Uh sorry. I have I have so many questions here. Um <laughs> so I don't think I mentioned earlier or maybe we did. I think you did actually. You're in Oklahoma, and that's where your practice is. And I'll share um all of Carly's social media for Amity counseling and stuff. Cause I know she posts a lot of helpful things on her social media. And, um, if you are in Oklahoma randomly, then you can go and see her or any of her awesome counselors there. But if you're not in Oklahoma, what would you say is the best way to find a counselor, um, premarital counselor for people who are looking and don't really aren't familiar with the process of finding one? So the most uh, um, I've u- used and seen used is psychologytoday.com. Um, you just click on there. It says find a therapist and you type in your zip code. So And it brings up people. So it's super easy. Um, I would recommend 
um, somebody that has a specific uh, marriage counseling style. Um, mainly because I could say I'm a marriage counselor, but if I don't have any specific tools to give you, I'm not going to be good at my job, right? So you want somebody that has that knowledge about tools and resources and things like that. So the Gottman method, you can type in and say, you know, as the Gottman method or um, worked uh, works with Sue, Sue Johnson, who is another um, marital therapist. I don't know if she has specific method or not, but that's um, I think there was a, a link I gave too for her. Um, so something that shares, you know, prepare and enrich. I, I'm sure that there are people that have knowledge in that one. So as long as you're writing that, I need some premarital counseling or marriage counseling specific to a, a theory. Um, and that's why it sucks because people don't usually know the theories um, and they'll type in marriage counseling and they won't necessarily get, a, you know, a great counselor. Um, but to know, you know, people usually go through seven counselors before they find one they connect with, which I think is horrible. I, I don't think we should have to go through seven counselors to find um, one, but that's the average. So I guess it's the, the concept of just being um, kind of aware of your needs. And if your counselor isn't meeting them, don't, don't stay. Go find somebody else that really meets what you need. Um, the, the therapeutic relationship, that's what we call it, is the main um, catalyst for you changing your um, experiences. So if you don't get along with me, why would you want to listen to what we're talking about or care with what I'm saying, right? So you've got to enjoy that that conversation, have a good um, sense of um, support, non-judgment, things like that. So definitely I tell people don't don't stay. Um, a good therapist would be, get, would be able to give you other references or resources. So I would say, here's a list of other people to refer you to um, if you don't connect with me. And I feel like that allows people to find them who they need. So um, I would say, don't, don't get stuck, you know, find, find somebody that really works for you. Um, don't worry if you have to go around to a lot of people, it really sucks. I get it, but you want to find who's going to be for you. Um, I did talk about interviewing the therapist in a sense. Um, and more of that is like specific questions that if you think of something that you need to work on with them to making sure their responses don't um, negate how you feel, right? So that would be a, an in, in general thing um, when you go into a counselor. So I think the the two things for sure are uh, don't get discouraged if you don't find one right away. Keep looking and definitely put in a, a theory of marital counseling rather than just a generalized experience. Yeah. And I guess if the listeners here are liking your theories on like you mentioned the Gottman a lot and you really like that they could probably search by Gottman as well right mm -hmm. Gottman theory okay. yes yep so you can you can type in like filters so they'll be like um you know you can write in the Gottman theory you could write in Sue Johnson to see if you you know enjoy her theory she's also very very um, knowledgeable um I just went towards Scottman. It just happened to work for me. So um, I've never reviewed intensely Sue Johnson. I just know she's another major theorist. So um, yeah, they can just type that in. And and even doing their own research is great. Sometimes it's not necessary though. Like you don't need to worry. If somebody knows about their um, position as a therapist or a counselor, they should be able to give you that resource. You shouldn't have to be searching for it on your own. Yeah. So Okay. 
Okay. That's great. That's good to know. And nice that you can search options in your area. Um, and I think I'm, from being on it before myself, I think you can also do um, searching by insurance and price point mm -hmm. as well. Um, and what, because I know that's a big deal too. Obviously, it's not cheap sometimes. So that's something you can filter by too, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But I yeah. guess I'm just hypersensitive to that because I did that for a long time. So. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, yeah, and I already mentioned too, um, Carly's in Oklahoma, but again, she's got amazing resources. I'll make sure I'll link everything in the podcast episode so you can look at her recommendations. And um, let's and, see. Uh, just, just to throw it out there, if somebody is struggling with finding a therapist they can reach out to me i could help explore some of the options in the area i don't mind doing that so if they're like hey i don't know who to look for or i keep trying and nothing's working we can kind of just go over it together um if they need to so yes okay great yes and i would absolutely trust your recommendations over <laughs> you know just a random old filter so i think that's <laughs> great that you're willing to do that so um, I guess we'll kind of end on a fun note. What are some counselor misconceptions that you want to clear up right now? Like for someone who hasn't gone to a counselor before, like the whole you have to lay on a couch type of thing. <laughs> um, is there anything you want uh, to say to clear those up? I do think that people come in thinking I'm going to give advice. I'm not an advice giver. Like, I very rarely give advice. I may give options, um, but no, I do not give you advice. People will ask me for my advice, and I'll say, well, I think this might work or this might work, but it's really up to you to try it. Um, because I am only an expert in of me, and they're the expert of them. So if I say, hey, go try this, and now I've given them advice, and then it doesn't work, you know, what have I done to their um, psyche? What have I done to the relationship between me and me? So I them and me i i guess i just would say like don't think that you're coming in to get advice because that's not what somebody's going to do for you and if they do that's a real problem i would say like a counselor should not be like you should go do this or you should go do that right like i said mm -hmm. the option orientation is more like you know there's many things you could do and there's many things that are right so go try them and find out which one is best for you so mm -hmm. yeah i think people always come in like so do you have any advice mm -mm. I do not. <laughs> That's really good to know. I think, um, you know, so you're saying like giving them a broader view or multiple options or opening their mind to multiple different scenarios is what they should mm -hmm. be doing for you. Not telling you, well, you shouldn't have done that or you're doing that wrong or you should be doing this. That's not going to be helpful. So maybe that's something to look out for, too, if you get into a therapist relationship and you notice that that's happening, maybe that's not the best option. Yeah. Well, and if you think about, you know, premarital counseling, if a couple comes in and I'm telling them how to rule their couple relationship, like that's not going to be helpful for them. They've already probably got enough people telling them how to do it. So I want them to feel comfortable saying, we're starting with this and this and this. And I can be like, well, from what I have seen, you know here are some things that have worked for other people. And I love doing that because also then you get to see what they 
kind of tend to, towards and then you can give more options surrounding that experience if they keep choosing like this area or you can say you keep choosing this over here and that area doesn't work for you so how about some of these ones over here might work better so you can kind of get a lot of information from watching somebody make their own choice yeah yeah i love that that's great um is there anything else that maybe you want to share that i didn't ask you about Hmm, let me think. Um, I always say be patient with yourself, you know, as a therapist. Um, when somebody comes in, you know, sometimes they want change right away. Sometimes they have an expectation um, of how things are going to go. Um, but I do, I do think being able to come in and just say, I'm here, open-minded. And if, if things resonate with me, I'm going to take them. And if they don't, I'm okay with leaving them. Like, I don't have to accept everything my therapist says. Um, and especially the the resource part, right? So if you're not getting resources from your therapist, like this is a this is a big problem because you're not learning anything if you don't have things to explore um, or to try, or if she suggests doing, she or he suggests doing things, you know, throughout the, the next week or whatever. Like those are times where you realize like they're putting effort into you too. And it should definitely be, you know, kind of that back and forth um but overall too i think you know have fun sharing your life with with somebody that's non-judgmental I, I definitely enjoy all the stories that my clients give me and some are super crazy and they're very open and i love it so i do think you when you feel comfortable it's really a freeing concept to just go in and share things that you'd hold back on other places so kind of also enjoy the process yeah yeah. And um, I guess, uh, you know, marriage should be fun and it should be a happy thing and being with someone should be fun. And so whatever you can do to make that, you know, better, better relationship, a better experience is always a good, good idea, I think. So mm -hmm. and I like the idea of making your marriage a picture of what your life's going to look like. Right. So if we can view the enjoyment and also the stressors and acknowledge that through all of that, we still had, you know, uh, a fun adventure of our wedding, then that can be your life. So it can kind of be a picture of what you can make your mm. life become. I love that. I love that. That's so cool. Well, you have so much knowledge and I could probably just talk to you all day. I do talk to you all day, all all the time. And in fact, if you do want to see each other every three months, I'd be fine with that. We can do this. We can do this. <laughs> I'm just that type, though. I my love language is spending time, so that's one yes. for me that I have to do within my relationships and you know relationships with family. So I know that about myself. So I'm totally fine with that. If you want to go back to that <laughs> comment, but. <laughs> Um, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me and I know, I hope this won't be the last time because like I said, I still want to talk about, uh, your wedding day with yes. Jace yes. and I think that would be so fun to hear your guys' side because I don't think I've ever asked too much about what your experience was, <laughs> but, um so yes. i hope this isn't the last time so you'll hopefully be on again soon but thank yeah. you so much yeah. for yeah being we would on love to, we would love to share it for sure fun it's a fun day to remember so it'd be yeah. fun to share that so yeah yeah, yeah. 
Awesome. Well, we'll do it. We'll plan it. It'll be fun. But thank you. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks. Thank you. And I love you. Um, love and- you. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. And hope you have a great day. Bye. Bye.